welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org. I'm very pleased to say it's an all-woman show this morning. Um, Vicky is going to speak to us. I'm just going to pray for Vicky before she speaks. Lord, we just pray for Vicky now. I just pray that you give her your words to say, Father. And I just pray that you would give each one of us open ears and open hearts to what Vicky is going to say to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, have I got this thing switched on correctly? Yes, hurrah. That was a bit posh, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> I didn't even go to private school. Um, Can we turn in our Bibles to 1 Corinthians 13? Hands up if this was the reading at your wedding, those of you who are married. I suspect that's a fair few of us. Yeah, it was out at ours. Uh, Although Paul's dad, bless him, read it, and, and he didn't quite feel the oomph that we were hoping for. Um, so, 1 Corinthians 13. And now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It is not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Now, thinking about it, I don't think I've ever preached before on Mother's Day. Which actually, as, as a woman who speaks in church, is a bit unusual because it's kind of our main gig, isn't it? Um, and I, which, which seems a bit the wrong way around. I sort of feel like actually we should have the men preaching on Mother's Day saying how marvellous we all are. And then we should have the women preaching on Father's Day saying how marvellous they all are. But this is how it is. Um, actually, to be honest... Um, going back a few years, I didn't even, I tried to avoid church on Mother's Day, um, actively, like really actively. We went to a church in Newcastle that was half Nigerian, and Nigerian people are not shy about coming forwards, um, and they're not shy about calling other people forwards to be prayed for about things that they think really need prayed for. Um, now, Paul and I got married when I was quite young. Paul was moderately young, but he's ancient. Um, <laughs> 
We then had, um, I was trying to work this out, I think about seven or eight years, probably about seven years, where we actively didn't want children because I was trying to be a junior doctor. And at that time, there was just, it was completely politically impossible within a hospital that you could be what was called a senior house officer, an SHO, and be pregnant. I mean, it was just, it was just not a thing. And the acceptable thing was that you became a registrar. And on, like, day two of being a registrar as a female doctor, you went, and next year I'll be on maternity leave. So, um, so we did... SHO, junior doctor training, all of that, um, and got through the numerous well-meaning people going, come on, when are we going to see some little people? Um, And then uh, I spent a year in Antarctica. Partly I did joke to get away from the pressure of all the people going, when are you going to start producing? Um, And came back and we sort of, excuse being frank, went, right, come on, time is right. clock is ticking um, and nothing happened uh, and, and then we had three years where we were sort of come on God this is this is the time and, and not well actually one thing happened I got pregnant and it seemed like a gift from God and I had a miscarriage um, and, and then another 18 months of, of nothing uh, and that was it was awful it was hideous, and that was the time where you would not have got me into church on Mother's Day with a barge pole or a cattle prod or anything else you could think of, any excuse. I was not going to be there again for the being called up to the front and being prayed for because it was just awful. And I appreciate, I fully appreciate that today it's, it's a celebration for a lot of people in this room, but it's also a time that's immensely painful for some. If you're someone who, like I was then, you know, try, desperately trying to be a mother but it's not happening, or if you're someone who has lost a child or someone who's lost a parent, it's, it's a tremendously painful time. Um, and what I, I don't want to be insensitive and I don't want to take the joy out of what is a really joyful day, but sometimes when you're on the edge of a celebration and you don't feel part of it, that is the worst place to be, isn't it? It's the loneliest place in the world. And that loneliness, we can end up unwittingly, entirely (coughs) unknowingly excluding people, leaving them to feel excluded. Um, I mean, Mother's Day in our old church, I I was absolutely, completely and utterly excluded. Um, I I suppose, in part, I'd excluded myself um, because... It was, it was so painful, um, and it was so painful to be sort of mentally thinking, Lord God, why have you brought me into this place? What, you know, desperately we want a family. Why is this not happening? And so we can end up making fe- people feel excluded when we don't want to. We want to bring them into the celebration and celebrate with them. It's, it's just a fact of life. It's like, being, it's like at Christmas, um, Again, I can tell you from experience, when uh, on Christmas Day, when you desperately want children and you haven't got them, uh, you feel like a complete abject failure. Uh, And and I I remember thinking, well, will we at least have children by next Christmas? I I don't know. Is this ever going to happen? Now we have the two maniacs who run around at the back, and uh, and life is very, very different. Three maniacs, Paul's waving at me. (laughs) 
And so, whilst it's not your typical Mother's Day message, um, the word that I have not been able to get away from over the last few weeks has been exclusion. Not inclusion, because that's a different thing, but exclusion, that feeling of being excluded from or excluded or excluding yourself from a celebration, from a group, the, the feeling of being on the margins, being on the fringes, being looking in but not quite there. Now, when we look at the Old Testament, the Jews were all about exclusion, weren't they? But they were deliberately, we are a people set apart. We are not part of all the rest of the world. We are set apart for God. And you've got books and books and books in the Old Testament, the books of the law, that give you every minute little detail of all the things you have to do. And it's amazing how many of the consequences are you are excluded, aren't you? You are out of the group, Um, whether that's temporarily uh, or whether that's permanently or whether that's ridiculously permanently, as in you're excluded from life by being stoned. Um, but, But they are all about we have to keep ourselves separate, we have to keep ourselves pure. Um, and then Jesus came and that idea of being separate and pure and, and uh, you know being really careful not to be sullied by any tiny little fragment of contamination that just gets blown out of the water doesn't it it's, it's, just, it's just blown away Jesus spoke to everyone Jesus interacted in the same way whether you were part of the group or not and he did inter- we know he, did, he interacted with people who were key players in the, in the Jewish community. We've got the story of him meeting with Nicodemus. We've got the story of him um, meeting the, talking to the rich young man. Um, and, we've, and we know that he interacted with powerful Romans. We've got the story of him going and healing Jairus' daughter. But he also sought out people who were on the fringe or excluded from the main group. Um, And and that is something that he did that totally went against the the conventions of his society. So we know that he spent time with people that he shouldn't spend time with, like Zacchaeus, the tax collector. He shouldn't have gone to his house, he shouldn't have eaten with him, he shouldn't really have spoken to him, but he did all of those things. We know that he talked to people that he shouldn't talk to by society's conventions, like women, heavens, uh, Samaritans, Samaritan women, tax collectors. We've got examples of Jesus doing all of those things, just saying, yes, I know your conventions, I don't care, I care more about them. Um, We know that he touched people that you were not allowed to touch according to the law. We know that he touched uh, the woman who was bleeding, and we know that he touched lepers. Um, So so Jesus took the the law of the Old Testament. We we know this. I know that a lot of you in the room know this. But he took that law and just, as I say, blew it away. It, It was gone. So we see in the way that Jesus reaches out to those people on the fringe, to those people who are marginalized and excluded from society, we see that he's, he's actively seeking them out. But he doesn't just then sort of put his arms around them and bring them into the group. He doesn't walk them into the temple and go, I declare this person is now acceptable. He 
so it's not just about inclusion. It's not about going, he, sort of getting them, bringing them, go, they are now, I declare, this, is, this person is now included. He transforms them. And that's the power of Jesus, that he seeks out those excluded people. So the leper, he seeks out the, the leprous person. He heals them. He transforms them. He makes them clean. He drives out demons. He transforms, again, that, that unacceptable person. He transforms them and makes them acceptable. But not only acceptable, he makes them into a new creation, doesn't he? And that is, that's the, there's the gospel, there and then. He, he, ta- he seeks out those of us who are lost and excluded and rubbish, <laughs> For whatever reason, he seeks us out. He doesn't just rename us. He remakes us. He makes us into a new creation. And then he brings us into the kingdom of God. That is our God this morning. That's the God that we serve. So, I'm only halfway through, by the way, even if you think I'm powering up for a big ending. <laughs> um, that, that is the beauty of the gospel that it brings healing and it brings release from sin, it brings transformation and it brings you a seat in the kingdom of God that is absolutely fully yours and no one can take away from you. Which brings me back to Mother's Day. And it's all about love. I feel the need to sing the Beatles, but I won't inflict it on you. I've been thinking a little bit about the role of the mother. Well, obviously quite a lot. Um, So there's a thing called attachment, an attachment disorder that goes with it. Um, And the idea behind the theory is that um, every baby needs a primary caregiver. Now, quite often, that's the mother. In fact, usually, that's the mother. It doesn't have to be. They need a significant person to be a strong bond. So you have your primary caregiver, you form an attachment with them, um, and that secure foundation gives you something that you can then build every single other relationship that you have in life. Um, And if it gives you, as I say, it's a foundation. It gives you a direct experience of what it is to be loved by someone, what it is to be cared for by someone. Now, if you haven't had that, and some people haven't, um, some people can thrive and carry on. Other people end up with what's called an attachment disorder, and it's basically just that you have never had, at that first early crucial stage, you didn't have that experience of, of reliable care and love, and it meant that your foundation for building everything else on isn't there. And if you try and build a house without foundations, it it cracks and falls down, doesn't it? That's something that um, can can be worked on in therapy. Thank God it's something that can be healed divinely. Um, And I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up, but I bet there are people in here who've experienced that. So that brings me back to the role of the mother the role of the the primary caregiver with a person who teaches that child what it is to be loved. 
And the, the way that they learn about love is that they are loved. So we, as people, grow, as children growing up, we learn about what it is to be, to, what love is. We learn about it first by being loved. We just read that wonderful chapter in Corinthians that talks about um, now we see a dim reflection in a mirror. I'm not saying that motherly love is perfect. Of course it isn't. We're all flawed and useless. Um, but we see that first dim reflection and we learn a little bit about love from our, prim- from our first person who loves us. And then we go on and we can learn about love elsewhere. So we learn about loving God from the experience of loving people and being loved by them. And then I thought, well, actually, it follows on then, because then by loving God, you learn about loving the rest of the world, don't you? So it sort of goes full circle that you, you learn about loving God by loving people, and you learn about loving people by loving God. And you can see how it spirals. I remember when I first... Well, I remember doing children's emergency medicine as a junior doctor. Um, And I I wasn't a parent at that point. That was in the SHO, absolutely unacceptable to get pregnant time. Um, So I, I wasn't in the wanting children. I was in the that's parked for the future phase. Um, and, and I think I was reasonable at children's emergency medicine. Um, I was tapped on the shoulder and told I should think about doing this further, which was interesting because I remember saying at medical school, I don't know what I want to do, but I know it's never going to be emergency medicine or children. Uh, that didn't really pan out. Um, when, I had, when, when we had James, that just, I don't know, it, it just exploded. That, uh, something happened, again, those of you who are parents will know um, that some, it, it's, it's like nothing else. It, that sort of, I don't know, like mama bear love. I, <laughs> I couldn't think of a better phrase. When Paul and I were married, if there was a T-Rex or a bear or something coming and attacking us, not that I was you know, generally hoping that that would happen, but if, it ha- if, if we'd been attacked by something, in my head, we would stand and face it together and, and we would fight as partners. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm going somewhere with this. Um, <laughs> and, it's the, and, and the relationship is that of partners. Now, once the children were around... I suddenly knew, without a shadow of a doubt, that if some kind of tiger or bear or whatever came anywhere near us, the children would get behind me and I would rip that tiger into little bits with my bare hands. <laughs> I don't know where that... You know, that I, I had no inkling that that feeling was going to appear pre-children. It's, it, was, it, it surprised me. <laughs> it's, it's, kind of, it's, it's a ridiculous sort of ferocious... Um, love that as I say I I had no concept would appear and then when it did I thought wow that is how God loves me that is again that through a dim dim reflection in a mirror um, that that is how God feels about me but actually more than that that's how God that's how Father God felt about Jesus 
And, and that feeling that I, I could happily, at times when the world seems against me, um, you know, close the doors and have Paul and the children and, sh- and just the rest of you could go hang. <laughs> that feeling of, you know, pushing, the, pushing your child behind you and fighting the world... That ferocious love is what, Je- is what Father God felt for Jesus, but he didn't push him behind, her, behind him and fight the world, did he? He did exactly the opposite. He sacrificed his son for us. And that feeling, that, that knowledge has blown my mind. <laughs> that that, um, that our father, he is our father, but his... He sacrificed his firstborn to make us his children. Praise God. And so, having talked about things that seem a little bit disjointed, we've started off talking about those who feel excluded. Um, Those who who are excluded in, in the... Old Testament, if you weren't within the Jewish community, there was no question about you feeling part of it. You just, you were excluded. Um, we talked about the experience of, of love for a child and love that a parent experiences um, and the need that a child has for that love to be able to develop. And it brings me to thinking about relationships which is an interesting topic when you actually when you look at how Jesus was sometimes in the Bible with his own um, mother and brothers. You could see from some examples, namely um, Matthew chapter twelve, that actually his priority was not blood relationships. Um, that's it, it, for just to summarise. That's when um, he's sitting teaching. Uh, and people say, your mother and brothers are outside. And he says, who's my mother and brothers? It's, it's everybody here. Um, and it's almost like he's dismissing the family outside. I think for Jesus, the priority when he, in his ministry was not the blood relationship. It was the spiritual family. And so my last sort of point to ponder, really, um, has, is who are your spiritual family? Um, who are your spiritual parents? Who were your spiritual parents? Are they still around? Um, who are you spiritually parenting? Do you have a mother, a father in the church, in, in the kingdom of God? Who are you mothering now? And that doesn't have to be gender specific who are you nurturing um, in that motherly way to bring them on and who is around you who is on the periphery is on, is is you know might be feeling excluded who who's god brought into your sphere of influence or brought to the very edge of your sphere of influence um, that actually we're there to build a relationship the kingdom of God is advanced one tiny step at a time, generally. Okay, sometimes there's revival and we take miles and miles of ground in one fell swoop, but that generally 
It's one tiny step at a time, and it's by us building relationships. And we, as individual Christians, are father, mother, brother, sister, crazy aunt, uh, to, to those people who are lost and excluded. And it's so that they can catch a glimpse of what it means to love God. And by being a spiritual mother to those people who are lost and excluded, it means that we can teach them what it is to love. We, and as, as we've seen from children, you learn what it is to love by being loved. You have to be first loved and experience it before you can think about giving it back. And you have to be loved generally by people before you can learn how to love God. So here we are on this, this beautiful Mother's Day. Um, the weather's glorious. Uh, the pubs will be full of people going off for Sunday lunches. There will be bunches of flowers left, right, and center. And it's a brilliant thing to celebrate. Those of us who have been privileged enough to have children, it's, it's wonderful. It's, it, I'm so grateful that we have that gift from, from God. There are times when it doesn't seem like such a gift. <laughs> like at three in the morning when somebody's been sick and somebody else has wet the bed and... <laughs> Yeah, you're thinking, I, I, I prayed for this. <laughs> so, and, and, those, and we can all relate to the experience of having had a mother. That relationship may have been brilliant. It may have been not so brilliant. It might have been really difficult. But on this day where we're celebrating that, I would encourage all of us to remember the positives and all of us to take away the principle that we, we learn about being loved, we learn how to love by being loved. Um, and even if you are not being a parent, even if you have no intentions of ever being a parent, who cares? Um, Jesus has different plans for you. We are all meant to be nurturing and encouraging and loving those outside who are excluded and lost and in pain. We're sent to bind up the brokenhearted, and that's how we do it. Thank you.